This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome, I'm Martin Strong, and let's get right to the consumer news from the past week. If you use the ride-sharing companies Uber and Lyft, you know sometimes they can soak you with their surge pricing, basically jacking up the price of your ride if there's high demand. But it looks like they took pity on stranded commuters in Metro Vancouver who weren't able to use the bus this past Monday and Tuesday because of that strike by supervisors at the Coast Mountain Bus Company. They walked off the job for 48 hours, affecting a lot of people who use the bus or the sea bus. So obviously Uber and Lyft found themselves very busy, but those rideshare companies decided to place limits to prevent riders' fares from going up excessively. Uber says the number of drivers spiked more than 70% between 7 and 8 a.m. on Monday. And do you like to get personalized license plates? ICBC got almost 10,000 requests for them last year. And they say they had to reject more than a quarter of the personalized license plates because they violated their guidelines. ICBC says it rejected about 2,600 slogans, including some that were discriminatory or sexually suggestive. Other rejected plate numbers include phrases that encourage unsafe driving behavior. Those ones are really popular and they're getting uh, nixed. Uh, Some of them included too fast for you, (laughs) too F-A-S for you, and why so slow, S-L-O, why so slow? Uh, They said those were no good. ICBC says you should make sure to go online and review the province's criteria for personalized license plates before you apply. There's going to be a national summit on auto theft next month to try to deal with the growing number of cars being ripped off and shipped abroad. The numbers are really growing, especially in Ontario and Quebec, where there's been a 50% year-over-year jump in auto theft. And more and more of those involve violence. Yeah, people getting carjacked. The federal government says gangs steal the vehicles and then work with organized crime groups to send them to the Middle East and Africa. And coming up later this hour on Vancouver Consumer, I'll take a look at the cars that are the most popular among the car thieves, as well as the uh, models that get ripped off the least. That's coming up this hour. Do our kids need to take more risks? The Canadian Pediatric Society says, well, they might. The organization has just come out with some new recommendations that encourage kids to get away from their screens, go outside, and take some risks. Uh, They say risky play can be good, and they define it as that which is, quote, thrilling and exciting free play that involves uncertain outcomes and the possibility of physical injury, unquote. Examples include riding a bike at high speed, climbing, sledding, play fighting, sliding and running. The pediatric group says this sort of play is crucial for children's mental, social, and physical development. Netflix is phasing out its cheapest ad-free basic plan in Canada. If you were paying $9.99 a month, you'll now need to choose between a cheaper $5.99 plan that includes commercials, or if you still want to avoid commercials like before, Those plans start at $16.49 per month. 
Most of the big streaming platforms have done the same recently with Amazon Prime Video about to start showing commercials on its streaming service in Canada. That starts on February 5th. And if you don't want to see commercials on Amazon, you'll have to pay more. This is Vancouver Consumer. And up next, if you're buying or selling a business, you definitely want to talk to my next guest. When we come back, we'll talk to Andrew J. Brown, a business broker and advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. So if you've got a business, if you're thinking of selling it or you're thinking of buying a business, you definitely want to hear Andrew. That's coming up next when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And if you own a business, small or large, you know that market conditions are always changing so it's hard to really know what that business is is worth. And uh, that's especially important if you're selling the business or if you're in the market to buy a business. That's why you need to bring in the experts. And with me now is one of those experts. Andrew J. Brown is a merger and acquisitions advisor for Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Uh, you can find them online, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions at pmab.com. That's P-M-A-B-B.com. And Andrew is here now. Hi, Andrew. Uh, great to talk to you. Our first time in 2024. So I, I, I'm going to say it. It may be late in the month, but uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take it. Happy New Year to you, Martin. Great to be here. Yeah. So I guess the big news last week was that interest rates stayed the same last Wednesday, uh, which was not really a surprise, but I, I think it was sort of interesting the way they sort of started to sound like the Bank of Canada did, that they were hinting that maybe lowering the rates might be in store for us uh, later in the year. And uh, and I guess I guess interest rates have such a huge, huge effect on the value of a business. So I guess that's really, really going to affect the way you look at what 2024 has in store, hey? Eh? Yeah, Martin. I mean, it certainly has a big impact on uh, the process in itself. The value, it depends. Uh, when when buyers look at buying businesses, uh, sometimes they leverage debt, sometimes they don't. And when they're leveraging debt, um, the the interest rates obviously have an impact. Um, how it impacts the the value uh, does have an impact as well, depending on you know the formula you're using. If you're using a, a discounted cash flow formula, for instance, you are uh, considering interest rates into that. So it all has an impact for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, looking ahead to 2024, I mean, uh, what what are, what are your feelings about what this year has to offer in terms of people with businesses? I would say the tone so far is uh, cautiously optimistic. Um, would be the <laughs> would be the tone for for the market uh, this year. Um, you know, last year uh, in the mid market where where uh, Pacific Mergers operates, uh, we were somewhat insular to the whole macro environment. Um, but that being said, I'd say overall M&A uh, 2023 was slightly a down year. Still still a pretty good year on an overall level, but uh, down uh, relative to years uh, previous. And moving into this year with the, the rates um, 
uh, expect it to go down later on this year. Uh, and just the pipeline of opportunities that, that we're seeing here, I'd say we're optimistic uh, that it's going to be a good year. Uh, cautious, though, just because there are a lot of uh, macroeconomic factors in play, a lot of instability globally, um, politically, those sorts of things that, that could play a role. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you sell all, you buy and sell all sorts of businesses. You're helping people to buy and sell all sorts of businesses. Is it a, a thing where, where some businesses become hot in certain climates and, and other ones are, are not as, as, as popular? Or I don't know if this question makes any sense, but are there some sort of hot businesses that, that everybody is looking at and sometimes they go out of fashion? Yeah, it depends on the industry, but no, you're right. Uh, I mean, um, I've got a, a background in technology, and in technology, that's definitely true. I mean, if you take a look at AI businesses in the tech sector, that's uh, you know clearly a hot uh, portion of the technology uh, market now moving forward, and a lot of the valuations for AI type of businesses are um, very um, – high, whereas, you know, other sectors of technology that that used to be hot, like e-commerce, although still a lot of good things happening in the e-commerce sort of world, it's just not quite as hot as, say, AI is right now. Whereas you look at uh, a lot of the traditional businesses that we, we sell here at Pacific, manufacturing, service-based businesses, those are... Uh, much more stable and, and somewhat uh, resilient to things going on uh, in, in the world. Um, you know, COVID is a great example. Uh, if you take a look at some tech stocks during the um, COVID time, like Zoom and all the remote types mm-hmm. of businesses, those things really kind of took off. Uh, but now things are stabilizing. You're seeing a, a big retraction on some of those types of companies. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like a lot of things. The sometimes the the really sexy ones are the ones that get all the attention, but uh, other businesses that are just quietly profitable, <laughs> making money and doing well, uh, they don't get the attention, but they should, I guess. They should, and those are the types that you know the the Warren Buffetts of the world and a lot of uh, very astute investors look at. They, they they will tell me, you know, just. Give me some boring stuff. Give me some very stable, boring businesses that just uh, generate a lot of cash. And those are the ones that uh, tend to be really popular when it comes to uh, selling. Um, A lot of buyers are looking for those types of businesses, and they don't get too caught up in the hype. Our guest is Andrew J. Brown from uh, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Uh, You can find them online, pmabb.com. Uh, you can also give them a call, 604-696-6111. Uh, they have offices in Vancouver, Victoria, and Kelowna with affiliated members worldwide. So, Andrew, let's just talk briefly a little bit about what Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions does. I mean, is it as simple as saying that Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions is like a, a realtor for people who are buying and selling businesses? Sure. Uh, you know, if, if it helps... Uh, someone get their head wrapped around it. Yeah, uh, we're we're selling something. Uh, in this case, a business. Um, so similar to to real estate, um, it's it's a process where there's a buyer and a seller, and as the intermediary, intermediary, uh, we're facilitating that transaction. So very similar from that perspective. 
Mm -hmm. So, so if somebody is selling a business, the kind of advice they're going to get from Pacific mergers and acquisitions, what are some of those pieces of advice that people might not think about? What are some of the aspects of selling a business that, that, uh, really, really can benefit from the expertise and the experience of Pacific mergers and acquisitions? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. So uh, certainly on the preparation side of things, uh, there's a lot of advice that we give uh, business owners. It's not something to just sort of decide one day that you're going to sell your business and then go ahead and put it on the market the following week. Um, uh, to do it properly, it takes a lot of preparation. There's a lot of things to think about. Uh, for example, if you're a business owner and you're looking to sell, making yourself redundant in your business is a smart idea. You want to make sure that you've got a strong management team in place uh, that a buyer can um, look at and be confident in when, when looking at your business. Uh, you want to look at potential efficiencies uh, that you can find in your business prior to preparing it for sale. That way you're maximizing the value of your business. Uh, you want to do a lot of things around de-risking the business, uh, such as reducing your customer concentration. If you have all your eggs in one basket, you might want to spread them out a bit as it relates to your customers. And just overall, making sure you've got a clear vision of uh, the value of your company moving forward. Uh, when a buyer is looking at your business, they're really looking at it from uh, from a projected earnings standpoint. Uh, meaning, you know, if they if they buy your business, they want to know uh, how likely they're going to get their money back and and how long it's going to take. Right. That's an interesting point about making yourself redundant because I'm guessing, uh, in your experience, you've uh, come up with uh, come up against a lot of people who uh, maybe own a business and, you know, maybe, I don't want to you know, no judgment here, but they're a bit of a control freak, uh, which probably a lot of successful people are. They want to have a hand in everything. But if you are the person who kind of runs everything and you don't bring other people in to kind of teach them how it goes, then if you sell that business, then your business is suddenly not worth as much because you're not there anymore. Big time. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah, I mean, it, it comes with the territory with being an entrepreneur. Um, a lot of uh, business owners have a tough time letting go of certain tasks uh, in their operation and tend to try to control everything because that's what works for them. Uh, but ultimately that does work against you, certainly when you're looking to transition out of the business. Um, you want to make sure that you're empowering other people in your operation to do the things that you do so that uh, you're completely uh, redundant. And it's a challenge for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm sure, to, to get yourself out of there uh, as far as uh, all the day-to-day the -day tasks. But it, it's something that you're going to need to do. Uh, frankly, independent of selling your business, if you want to grow and scale your business, you need to be able to empower other people to do other things. Yeah. And I guess it's just another uh, example of why when you go to sell a business, no matter how big that business is, uh, you should put a lot of thought into it. It shouldn't be something you decide overnight and then boom, you sell it. It's something that it's a, it's a long process, isn't it? It can be. Yeah. The process in itself to sell your business, let's say if you engage in advisors such as ourselves, uh, you know, it can take anywhere between, um, six to 18 months, the, the entire process. Uh, but the preparation stage of that uh, prior to, to selling, particularly if your business is not ready, if you're 
um, needing to make yourself redundant and you need to clean things up, that can take up to a year or two. Um, and of particular importance, you want to make sure your business is performing well. Um, when you're going to look to sell your business, you want to make sure that you're at least um, on a uh, consistent level of performance, um, ideally on a positive trajectory. Uh, you certainly don't want to be uh, timing things where you're on a downward uh, trend because uh, that's only going to work against you as far as the amount of uh, money you're going to ex- expect to receive. Yeah, it's kind of like being a hockey player when you're about to come up with a new contract negotiation. You want that to be the time when you're scoring a lot of goals, I guess. Yes, you want to be the... Elias Pedersen of business owners <laughs> right now. You want to be, you want to have all the, all the cards. Uh, so that is a perfect example of how you want to sell your business. Uh, how he's positioning himself in the market is exactly how you'd like to do it as a business owner. Yeah, that's. I didn't want to mention his name, but that's who I was thinking of too, <laughs> Elias Patterson. Uh, we're talking to Andrew J. Brown, uh, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor from Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, PMABB.com is the website. You can go there online, 604-696-6111. They have offices uh, all over the lower mainland, Victoria, Kelowna, uh, affiliated members worldwide. So if you have a business and you're thinking uh, maybe it's time to sell, maybe you're thinking of retiring, uh, you should definitely get in touch with Andrew and the rest of the team at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions because as we just heard, it's it's kind of a, a good idea to be prepared to know exactly what the market is like that you're headed into and uh, how you can maximize the sale of that business. And when we come back, we'll talk more about getting your business uh, ready for sale and some advice there. And, uh, you know, what, what 2024 has in, in store for business in general. That's when uh, we return more with Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor at Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. This is Vancouver Consumer. We'll be right back after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we're talking to Andrew J. Brown, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. That's, you know, it's such a business term, but it basically means if you're buying or selling a business, you need to get a hold of Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions because they can help you sell that business. You can maximize what you get for that business and you can prepare for that sale as well. And uh, Andrew, if people go to your website, pmabb.com, pmab.com, or they give you a call, 604-696-6111. What's kind of the process? So say somebody listening has a business, uh, you know, large or small, and they're thinking, you know, I guess retirement is a big thing. Um, but someone is thinking of maybe, uh, you know, moving that business on and selling that business. What's the process like if they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, um, want to ensure that they're aware when they reach out, everything is confidential. Uh, we are mindful that when a business owner is considering selling, um, they, 
in all likelihood don't want everyone to know that that's the case, particularly their customers or employees, that sort of thing. So when making an inquiry, I, I would like to have them feel confident uh, that everything uh, that is being chatted about is confidential. Um, so when when the initial uh, reach out is made, we can have a phone call conversation or certainly have an in-person discussion here at our office, uh, whether it's downtown or on the island or in Kelowna, and have an in-person discussion. And ideally, um, we sit down and we spend some time to, to understand the business. Um, what sector is it? Uh, how big is it? Uh, uh, why are you looking to, to move on? Uh, the more information we can understand about your business, uh, the better we'll be able to provide advice. Yeah. And as part of this process, is there one thing that you see a lot of that maybe people undervalue their business or, or is it just a whole, sometimes it's overvalued, sometimes undervalued? What, is there a common theme that you see when you talk to people for the first time? I would say the common theme um, that I've seen is that uh, more often than not, they, they actually have a, a pretty good grasp of what their business is worth uh, just by a gut feel and by working with an advisor like ourselves to get an assessment done it's validation of that because um, sometimes they are overshooting or undershooting uh, but most of it is just lying in the uncertainty of it is that really a reasonable expectation or not and uh, getting an assessment done a very thorough va- evaluation done on your business where uh, you can have confidence in that number and how it's derived uh, can help you plan for, for the future. Uh, for a lot of business owners, a big portion of their retirement planning is based on the divestiture of their business. And if you're unsure of what that number is, it's hard to plan. Uh, and just getting that assessment done is a good first step in that regard. From there, once that assessment's completed, then we'll have a uh, a mutual understanding of the likely selling price, and we can then have a meaningful discussion on how to move forward with ultimately selling the business. And there are different options uh, that uh, we offer when doing that. Yeah. And I, I guess there are all sorts of different businesses that you deal with. And the people you're dealing with, they're the experts because they're the people who have built this business and they know what that market is like and they understand how the business works. Um, and I guess Pacific mergers and acquisitions, sometimes your job is not so much to, to, to understand the, the inner workings of the business, but to take kind of a, a holistic view, sort of uh, to step back and get a view of how it fits into the overall market. Absolutely. I mean, no one's going to know, um, a business better than that business owner. So we're we're not here to tell them anything about their business. They're 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 going to be the experts in that regard. Uh, we're acting as the intermediary between them and a potential buyer. And the lens that we're putting on are more so of a potential buyer and giving perspective to the seller on just how a potential buyer would look at it. Uh, that's where the value really comes in with working with an independent advisor like ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you talked about some of the things that uh, people need to do to get ready for a sale, like, you know, make yourself redundant, make sure that there are other people on staff who, who can do the things that you do when you're gone. And, uh, you know, also making sure that all your eggs aren't in one basket in terms of customers that they're, you know, you, maybe you just have one big customer. And if you lose that customer, the business is kind of, you know, shrinks, but, um, the question you must get all the time is when is a good time to sell? So uh, how do you answer that question? If somebody comes to you with a business and they go, well, how, how do I know when to do it? When's a good time to sell? What's the answer to that? Yeah, it's, it's typically the most annoying answer you can give is it's, well, it depends. Uh, and, <laughs> but it really, it really does depend on that particular person's situation. Um, you know, if, if you're at an age where retirement makes sense or you're, you know, on the cusp of burning out, then the timing is probably right. If you're going to start running out of energy or no longer have the drive to keep your business running the way it needs to run to, to, to grow, then that's, uh, that's a good time to look at uh, selling. Um, it also depends on how your business is doing. Um, if you've recently uh, trended upwards in the last several years and things are going well, well, that's, that's a really good time to consider selling. And it's a bit counterintuitive for some people because they're like, well, why would I, why would I sell now? Things are going great. I'm making all this money. It's just like, well, uh, that's where you're going to get the most value because your earnings are only going to get uh, uh, multiplied at a higher level if things are going well. Uh, because when we're valuing your business, we're typically looking at a multiple of earnings. And that uh, number, the higher it is, it's going to be applied to another number and it's going to uh, have a huge impact. Uh, whereas if you're uh, trending downward, it's also going to have a, a, a huge negative impact. So it really does depend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure you have to say that a lot. Uh, Andrew J. Brown is our guest, Merger and Acquisitions Advisor with Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. You can find them online at pmabb.com, pmab.com. They have offices all over the place in the Lower Mainland, Victoria, Kelowna, and affiliated members worldwide as well. And uh, and I, you deal with uh, businesses that are big and small, and I guess for some people if the business is maybe on the smaller side, there probably is a bigger temptation to just sell it themselves if they know other people that might be interested in buying the business. What are the advantages of using a mergers and acquisitions advisor versus uh, selling that business yourself? Yeah, I mean, it, it does depend on the size. So to your point, if it's a really, really small business, then uh, um from a fee perspective, I suppose it might not make a lot of sense to use an advisor. Uh, but let's say you're doing at least a few million in revenue and that sort of thing, and you get approached by an individual buyer and you're like, well, you know, what do I need a, an advisor for? I can just do this myself. Well, uh, you might be leaving a lot of money on the table by just l- dealing with one buyer yourself because ultimately that particular buyer, if they're uh, approaching you on an unsolicited basis, are going to want to control the process. They're going to want to um, 
position, you know, their value of the business and uh, have the terms that uh, favor them uh, involved in the transaction. Whereas if you're working with an advisor, at least a good one, uh, you're going to be able to uh, create a market uh, where you're bringing not only that buyer, but multiple buyers to the table. And then you're going to be in a position where you're going to be potentially looking at uh, a better price, um, perhaps a shorter timeline, and certainly uh, increase your chances of success. And does it ever become like uh, something in a really hot real estate market, for example, with uh, you know competing bidders? And I, I know there's a phrase that I just read today that maybe you could define it for me, a managed auction. What is that? Yeah, so uh, depending on your type of business, if you're in a, to your point, um, a very uh, attractive industry and you've got a lot of positive things happening in that industry and you have a good feel that there's going to be a lot of um, interested parties, uh, then it could be a good fit for a managed auction process. And that does sound a bit like you're at, you know, uh, Sotheby's or, or what have you, where your people are putting up a, a paddle and they're just, you know, right. bidding from that perspective. But it's, it's much, much different than that. Um, a managed auction in M&A is essentially uh, being able to bring uh, multiple bidders to the table. And how it's managed uh, by the advisor is it's done with very strict timelines and um, the end state is you're hopefully going to have a competitive situation where there's multiple buyers, uh, in which case you're going to be able to get a premium for, for your company. Uh, so it, it's, it's called a managed auction. Uh, there's a number of different names for it out there, but that's the name that, that we use. Um, and it's not just a, uh, a straightforward people just show up at, and, and, and bid on your business. There's a lot to it. Uh, there's another phrase that I've heard that I recently learned at a, a course uh, called Negoti Auction, uh, where, <laughs> yes, you're running a, a managed auction, but ultimately the advisor is having conversations with multiple buyers at the same time, and it gets quite complex. But ultimately, uh, the goal is, as the seller, is to get uh, a premium for your business. Yeah. And I guess it, it goes without saying that Pacific mergers and acquisitions, uh, the, the value that you really bring is you have buyers that, uh, that, that the seller may not be aware of. There are a lot of people who want businesses and you will get them in touch with that business. Absolutely. I mean, you ideally want to sell to someone who is going to put a premium on your business and uh, my goal when working with a seller is to get them uh, as much as possible. And the only way you're going to do that is to explore the market and make sure you're uncovering all the possible buyers, and in particular, the ones that would value your business higher than others. Um, and oftentimes, a strategic buyer might look at your business and value it much higher than a financial buyer. And it's uh, my job as the advisor to, to, to find that buyer and make sure that we bring them to the table. And frankly, if you're running a process correctly where, let's say, there's not even a price attached to the business, you're just letting buyers come forward, you oftentimes can get someone uh, a considerable more uh, for their business than they're expecting. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's why you need the pros. At Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions, Andrew J. Brown is a business broker and merger and acquisitions advisor with Pacific, Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Their website is pmab.com, P-M-A-B-B.com. You can give them a call at 604-696-6111. And uh, Andrew, always a pleasure uh, and uh, best of luck. And uh, here's to a, a great year in 2024. Thanks, Martin. Likewise. All right. Andrew J. Brown from Pacific Mergers and Acquisitions. Coming up on Vancouver Consumer, car theft is becoming more and more common in Canada, including violent car thefts, as in carjacking. Up next, I'll tell you what the federal government is trying to do about it. Plus, I'll tell you what the most popular vehicle is when it comes to car theft. And it might surprise you. That's all when we come back on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. More and more cars are being stolen across the country. In fact, it's gotten so bad that the federal government will be holding a national summit on auto theft on February the 8th in Ottawa. Political leaders, cops, border agents, and execs from the auto industry will all get together to try to do something about all these vehicles being ripped off and then shipped abroad. The numbers are really growing or going up. In some provinces, it's been a 50% jump from the year before. But even more troubling is the fact that a lot of these thefts are violent. I'm talking about carjackings. It's especially bad in Toronto. Cops there say there was a 104% increase in violent carjackings between 2021 and 2022. The federal government says it's often gangs that steal the cars and then work with organized crime groups to send those cars overseas. A lot of photos have shown up online of cars still bearing Canadian license plates in used car lots around the world. And that's despite the feds insisting we already have strong laws aimed at preventing thefts and tracking protocols meant to stop the stolen cars from leaving the country in shipping containers. So which are the cars that get stolen the most? Well, the data from the previous year was pub just published uh, just before Christmas, and it looks like the number one most stolen car in Canada is the Honda CRV. It tops the list for the second year in a row with over 5,600 thefts. The model year most stolen was the 2020 Honda CRV. In second place, the Dodge Ram 1500 series. Then in third is the Ford F 150 series, followed by the Lexus RX series and the Toyota Highlander. Completing the list, the Honda Civic, Jeep Cran Cherokee, Land Rover, Range Rover, Chevrolet, GMC Silverado, Sierra 1500 series, and the Jeep Wrangler. Brian Gast is the vice president of investigational services as, at Equite and says they're usually newer models. Nine of the top 10 vehicles are from 2019 and newer. And Gast says it's all about demand and it's those cars that the organized crime groups are in need of to supply their orders. Thousands of vehicles from Canada are shipped to Africa and West Africa in particular, also parts of Europe, 
and the Middle East. It's believed that a lot of the proceeds of these stolen cars go to fund domestic drug trafficking and international terrorism. A scary thought. And so the Honda CRV is the most commonly stolen vehicle. What about the ones that don't get stolen very often? Well, at the top of the list for the least stolen cars is the Chevrolet Volt, topping that list with only one theft in the year. The Volt is an electric car, and there were actually no electric vehicles in the top 10 stolen cars of 22, of 2022. And I guess that's probably due to the fact that many of the countries the stolen cars go to don't have much of an infrastructure for recharging electric cars. After the Volt, the top least stolen vehicles, the Cadillac CT5, Kia Nero, Buick Envision, Honda Fit, five-door, uh, the Mini Cooper Countryman, Volvo XC90, the Subaru Crosstrek, Volkswagen Beetle, and Mini Cooper. So if you're driving one of those vehicles, look past the hurt feelings and just be happy you're a lot less likely to have your car stolen. Still to come on Vancouver Consumer, do our kids need to take more risk? A group of doctors in Canada say yes. I'm Martin Strong, and I've got that story and more when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.